income earners are going to go up, yep. capital gains are going to go up. And this is only going to quote unquote affect people that are making more than 400000 But here's the irony of everything. Everyone gets hurt. This comes through because money's got to come from somewhere. And people that tend to make high incomes and have the actual money will never take the loss. Do we want to live in a world where the government is just spending trillions of dollars on free stuff that may or may not be so free? Nothing is free. It might not cost us in real dollars today, but we're just kicking the can down the road. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Better Wealth. We are live, and we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of Biden's new tax plan. The internet is obsessed with AOC's new dress, Tax the Rich. There's a lot of people talking about Tax the Rich, and I think it's all going as planned as it relates to just what kind of message needs to get out to to talk about this tax plan. It's interesting because everyone has like, everyone pulls out little things because I believe the bill is massive. Yeah, $3.5 trillion for the infrastructure bill. Right, but how many pages? It's like over 2,700 pages. 2,700 pages. And so I'm hearing different things about, you know, capital gains. I'm hearing things about income tax. I'm I'm hearing things about all kinds of things. So I asked Dan, I'm like, dude, we got to, we got to come up with a video to just address this. We're we're not a political channel, so we're gonna we're gonna do our very best to come up with the pros. We're actually gonna talk about that at the end because I think there's a lot more things from a wealth standpoint that are we could highlight as cons. I would love to see the other side and see like see like where like I want I want to actually talk to the people that are actually writing this to be like what what are you thinking? Because I want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. So without further ado, man, uh, pros and cons. We're going to start with cons, but I know that you, you've, you've done quite a bit of research, and we're going to do our best to make this clean and concise. That's right. We got the notes. We want to make sure uh, make sure that we are got all the right things here. The, the big aspect is the stuff is changing like almost daily. What was being reported in the news on Monday is different than it was on Tuesday, is different than it was today. And quite honestly, I don't think anybody really knows what's going on. And, and there's a lot of deception, and there's a lot of, um, you know, being able to say, hey, look over here, and then things are being snuck in over here. And that's, I mean, that's politics in a nutshell, which is the stuff that I don't like. But this is all coming from Biden wanting to uh, pass a $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. And what's funny about that in its own right is that the majority of the money, the allocations within that are not for infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They're for social programs like national paid family and medical leave, free universal preschool, free community college, and a many, many billions for clean energy. And it's not here to say one is right, wrong, and different, but the way that this is being touted is that this is a is a infrastructure bill and only 1.2 trillion of that is a infrastructure bill. So it's like baloney, as we'll call it, that's going on with that. Yeah. And Biden is saying, hey, wait a minute, I will figure out a way to pay for it. And this is where the drumbeat of tax the rich is coming into play. And that's, you're seeing this all over social media and, and the news is tax the rich. And so he's saying, wait a minute, I, I'm going to do some tax reform. I'm going to pay for this bill Got it. via taxes. And oh, by the way, the, it's going to cover $2.9 trillion of that bill. And then a miraculous $600 billion is going to come from a dynamic increase in. Right. So if we name this Biden's 
three point whatever trillion infrastructure bill, there'd be a lot of less people clicking on this video. So we've we've took we talking about the tax plan, but really what this is is it's the over three billion of three point five billion of infrastructure trillion trillion yeah that's crazy trillion <laughs> we should talk about that for a second. And you're saying that only 1.2 trillion goes to actual infrastructure, which we could say could go both party lines would would vote on that. We're talking roads and all yeah. of that, but they they fit in an additional two plus trillion dollars for social programs. Which again, we'll just leave it at that on this show. You can talk to me personally about my opinions offline about that. And that's where Biden's talking about we got to pay for this mm-hmm. because money doesn't. Well, we print money, but money doesn't grow on trees unless you're the Fed. And all of the, the things that we're talking about are going to be ways that they raise money. That's correct. And all of these ways are going to affect all of us. And so with that, is that, is that good? To- yeah, I think, I think that's great. The, the thing that I'm realizing is one thing's being said, saying, hey, if you don't make more than $400,000, this isn't going to affect you. And my opinion says it's the exact opposite is that it, we're, we're going after the rich, but you know, we'll, we'll get to that point, but it's like, what does that even mean? I think we're, we're missing the point as to what, what does rich really mean? What does income mean? How do how do the wealthy of the world actually operate? Like there's so many other things. And with this, they, they're coming at first high income individuals like that. That is the the big nature of the tax reform is we're going to we're going to tax people that make more than four hundred thousand dollars. And the first one is to increase the individual rate. OK, so right now it's thirty seven percent. So the marginal rate would increase to thirty nine point six percent. And what's what's interesting about that is in all of these, they have provided estimations as to the amount of revenue that will come from this in the form of new taxation. And so they're saying. $170 billion will come from increasing that, you know, by 2.6%. Hmm. And back to your point of like, okay, $2,700 or a 2,700 page bill. Does, yeah. does anybody really know what's going on here? How I'm, I'm asking the question, how are they, how are they coming up with these numbers yeah. of like, oh yeah, this is going to be $170 billion of, but of what's revenue. What's funny is a billion is so teeny when you talk about a tr- $3 trillion. I know. We're talking a billion dollars. Which is like a drop in the bucket. Literally, it's and that's the thing is we have no concept of these numbers. These are like absolutely massive, right? Like, and and that's another thing is when did these become normal, right? Like suddenly we're like, oh yeah, let's just throw another couple trillion here, a couple trillion there, a couple trillion here, right? And now our unfunded liabilities are well over a hundred. Yeah, I'll look that up, and that that will be the reason why you want to stay. And also about the pros of this bill, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, so the first one is increase the top individual rate. I mean, those have kind of fluctuated, you know, since the uh, tax code has been in, enacted. Um, but the capital gains is one that's originally Biden wanted to do that at ordinary rates, so that would have meant that for high earners, that would go up to the thirty nine point six percent rate. Uh, it seems like now that's been kind of tamed back uh, to increasing from twenty percent to twenty five percent, and that in its own right, they are estimating. $123 billion of uh, estimated revenue there. Uh, and the next one is expanding the net investment income tax uh, to capture more income. And this is basically closing a gap on the thresholds. This one, they're, they're touting $252 billion. And I'll be honest, uh, I'm diving into the tax world and I was researching what this one means. And it's it reads like the tax code. It's very difficult to understand what exactly uh, that means. But basically, there's an additional... Um, 3.8% net investment income tax on investments. 
And so that would actually tack on to the top cap gains rate of 25% for a total of 28.8% on long-term capital gains. Okay, so they they essentially want to, for people making $400,000 or more, they want to take the 20, 20% cap gains to 25? Correct. It, does that, is there a difference between short-term and long-term? Um, not in this particular bill. Okay. And then, and then they also want to tack on another 3.8% net investment income tax. Yeah, so that's already occurring, but they're just changing the thresholds on it. Okay, very, very interesting. And that is only going to affect people that have taxable income of over 400,000. That's correct. Okay. The next one is uh, a 199A deduction, which is, is your qualified business income deduction. And uh, this is something that uh, a lot of business owners have been taking advantage of. And this is uh, an example of, you know, in my opinion, because of something like this, increasing the amount of revenue from that is going to decrease the amount of income that business owners have, uh, Mm -hmm. which is going to directly affect people that are employed by those very business owners. Um, You know, and and who knows? I mean, that's a, well, I guess I'll shelf that for the the later portion, but, um, you know, it's, that one is a direct in my opinion, direct correlation to the small business owner. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's then a limitation on excess business losses for non-corporate taxpayers, $167 billion estimated. This is another one where currently what you can do is if you have losses more than your income, so let's just say that you ended up having a, an additional $50,000 um, loss after net zero, you could carry that forward into the next year and the next tax year. And what they're suggesting is that the to permanently disallow that any losses beyond your income. So if you had zero income, but and you had more losses than that, mm-hmm. you would be able to carry that over. They're proposing to permanently eliminate that. Okay, okay, and but it applies until two thousand twenty-seven. Currently. So okay. Okay. I see. The and they want to make that provision yep. permanent. Got it. Well. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting one, and this goes back to uh, what we were talking about. What is income? What is rich? What is all those things? Is a surtax surtax on high income individuals? They're estimating another uh, very specific 127 billion dollars, and so this is on individuals with adjusted gross income in excess of five million dollars. They're going to impose a three percent surtax on that. So, adjusted gross income in excess of five million dollars. Hmm. And again, this goes back to what does what does income really mean? Right. right. And you know, we, we see a lot of people's financial situations. How many people have you seen with actual incomes on their tax return of over five million dollars? The and this is probably for another video, is showing once you get into these levels of yeah. of wealth, you no longer start having income yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't I take this for what it is, but I Googled, obviously Google's right about everything. Elon Musk's official salary was listed at $23,000, yep. a little above $23,760 in 2019. I mean, one of the richest men in the world is uh, not going to be affected if we're just counting income for income. That's qu- the joke here is the ultra wealthy, the tax rich are not taking millions and millions and millions of dollars. Correct. Salaries. That's right, and yeah, I, I I could go off into the tangent on that, but you're you're totally right. Like that that is a the most simple example of what is being said in the media is, hey, we're going to put this surtax on people who who have five million plus. So the average Americans like amazing Elon, right, right. 
So what they're saying in all of these things is a total from high-income individuals is a trillion dollars is going to come from this. There's just another trillion. Like they, And this is the stuff that just kind of fascinates me is where did we come up with this just even round number of, we came up with these things of a trillion dollars. And you know the, the other aspect that was being touted um, previously was all about um, the step-up in basis for mm-hmm. states. And that is uh, that has disappeared, so mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about that. Uh, but the one that has remained is to expire the doubling of the estate tax exclusion, which is currently at twenty-four million, and uh, they're basically ramping up the time frame on that. It was supposed to expire five years from now, and they want to want it to expire at the end of this year. So that that one could potentially have uh, some ramifications from an estate planning perspective. Um, but the step up in basis was going to be a really big one. And I think there was a lot of backlash uh, pretty quickly on in that regard. The The next one that's less exciting, uh, probably to us and to our viewership, is has to do with international tax. But the, the one that is in here is corporate tax. Mm. And this was something that Trump was in the news all about, was reducing the corporate tax rate from 28% to 21%, uh, which did have a huge effect and an influx of commerce in the States. Uh, because it was now suddenly more attractive again to do business in the states, um, and what is being suggested here is to increase that to twenty six point five percent. And this, these are the things that I find fascinating. Is that the estimation is this is going to have five hundred and forty billion dollars of tax revenue. Dot dot dot. How much business is going to leave the United States? Yeah, yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Uh, these these are the things that I I wonder. All of the all of you guys jumping in, we are pretty much covering the pros and cons of Biden's tax plan. And uh, there's a three point five trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which um, less than two trillion. What's the official number? One point two trillion is the actual infrastructure. Two point five trillion and and over is all the um, other things that are stuffed into this bill. And so Biden is saying we're going to pay for this somehow. He at least admits that. And so we, we're talking like your income is going to go up. Income tax on the top income earners are going to go up. Yep. Capital gains are going to go up. And this is only going to, quote unquote, affect people that are making more than 400000 But here's the irony of everything. Everyone gets hurt. This comes through because money's got to come from somewhere. And people that tend to make high incomes and have the actual money will never take the loss. Totally. So we're, we can continue, but we're, we're going through. Dan, you did a phenomenal job coming up with this. Comment below. If you want to learn more about like, hey, I want to learn more about this or it, tax strategies, like maybe we can convince Dan to do a whole video on a specific uh, tax, uh, tax concept. But overall, I think it's fair to say majority of people don't know what's going on. We're just getting, we're just doing our best to collect the data and put it uh, for our audience and so if you're, if you're watching, if, if you enjoy this content, please let us know and please share this with people that are just like us this afternoon that are like, we got to learn more about this. So, yeah. All right. Well, and, and again, like we're just throwing out numbers here. They're saying between corporate and international tax reforms that that's going to be around $900 billion of new revenue. And again, like these are crazy, crazy yeah. numbers. Uh, and uh, there's just so many ramifications from that. Like even we talk about a billion is a lot of money. Yeah. We're talking. 900 times that what are the ramifications of that yeah 
And then we get into more relatable things like reforms to the mega IRAs or mega backdoor Roths. Um, you know, and, and for those of you that are keeping up with this kind of stuff, Peter Thiel, who wrote the book Zero to One, he has been in the news a lot because his Roth is like over a billion dollars. And that came from you know, him starting a, a company back in the early 90s and his stocks have completely you know, just gone crazy. And because it was within the Roth, he's going to, you know, have over a billion dollars tax-free at some point. And this is, this is a kind of an aside when it comes to this stuff. There's, if you, you know, you can go do your own research on a mega backdoor Roth. They're looking at closing that loophole, uh, loophole. Um, and the, the thing that I highlighted here is that the, the general nature of this is they're going to prohibit taxpayers from uh, contributing to their IRAs once the account balance exceeds 10 million. And again, you know, for most people, quite honestly, that's not going to affect them. Yep. But that's, to me, that's not the point. Um, the, the other second aspect of this is that le the legislation would also require distributions once the value of the assets reach a certain levels. And we're, and we're talking about Roth IRA? Yes. I, I want to hear your thought, and then I have some thoughts on this <laughs> as well. Well, and my thought is, the point to me in this is like, let's see between, between the lines, because we're going to, again, we're throwing, it's like looking, throwing out the carrot for 10 million. So most Americans are going to be like, well, that doesn't affect me anyways. But then it gets a little bit more vague at the end of saying that require distributions at certain levels. What are these certain levels? And then my further point is, this is a great example of how if you don't have control, the rules can change almost overnight. Yes. And that's, that's the scary nature of this. And one of my favorite things is asking people is like, if your Roth is so tax-free, why do you get a 1099R at the end of the year? It's but, super interesting. Like why, if it's tax-free, why does the government care how much money it's in, in there? Right. I, I, and again, this is just, it's just interesting. And I, I get where rules have to come in because there's people like Peter, which I have a ton of respect for, who's, who's utilizing the rules and utilizing it to their advantage. The problem is this sets a precedent that they can do whatever you can change the rules whenever you want. Like what is keeping you? And, and I said this like two years ago and someone like, like, or like, Caleb, you are crazy. I'm like, what keeps the government from taking our Roth money or taxing our Roth money? Or I literally said over a certain amount, like now it's taxable. Oh, you can't do that. Like that would never happen. It would oh, sunset. Is everyone grandfathered in to this? It doesn't seem to be like, that doesn't seem like no. to be the language. And so what's interesting to me is how they can just change the rules. And that should terrify everyone watching this because if the government, which is over 86 trillion dollars of unfunded liabilities everyone wants to talk about the 28 trillion of almost debt, 29 almost 29 trillion um of debt that we have but we have when you look at medicare medicaid social security the defense and interest on the on the debt you if you add all those up and you look at what we're on the hook for we actually say i am going to make these promises as a country we're looking at over 86 trillion dollars that's insane yeah and this is just the scary example of like language that gets put out. We call this a rubber band effect. Who knows if this is actually going to pass? But the point is someone put it out there and it might be shot down now. What will happen 15 years from now when we're more in the hole, need money? I'm just, and again, I just, it's just really interesting. And out of everything that we talked about, it's probably the most maddening yeah. because it's like, it's frustrating to know that the rules can change after the fact. Well, and the the crazy thing is their estimation on this is only four billion, only four billion dollars. 
So like suddenly all these other ones are like kind of way out there, like yeah, 170 billion, 123 billion. It's like, wait a minute. What there's yeah, it's all kind of goofy. And that's that's kind of my you know thread through all this is all of this, like if you if you just kind of look at this at face value, it all is kind of strange, right? In a in a sense. And and the thing that I, I really dislike is saying one thing and something else is really going on. Right. Like that really that really bothers me. And one of those here, the next one actually is a wash sale. And so this affects crypto users. Yes, for those of you that are watching, your crypto is potentially at risk. Uh, and and crypto has been one of the things that has been under the radar for quite some time. And the IRS is saying, gee, uh, there's some quite a bit of revenue now that could be generated here. Uh, and something that has been in, in effect for crypto, because it hasn't been in the language of the tax code yet, uh, is wash sales, basically meaning that you can have garner uh, basically tax loss harvesting. You can um, you know, have unlimited losses and carry those losses forward for an unlimited amount of time. Huge play for people that are in the crypto game. And if you look at general stocks, you have a 30-day grace period before you can buy back, um, which is not the case right now with um, with crypto. And that's something that they intend to change. And this is, I mean, probably, an, again, another aside, uh, but the IRS has estimated that they're going to get 500 plus billion dollars of crypto revenue over said number of years. And again, like these are, they just, they're throwing out these crazy numbers with no basis. And I'll tell you why there's no basis later on. Um, is it kind of like when entrepreneurs say in three years they're going to make X amount of money? Yeah, it's like I, I run a seven-figure business. Yeah, okay. We've seen a lot of seven-figure businesses, and yes, I. It's just it's just very interesting. It's like one thing to say like, is this some intern typing up? Like, I would love to see how they're going to project because going back to what we were saying is, you increase taxes. Does that make businesses want to make more money, or does that make them less incentivized? Well, to it, make money. it's twofold. It's threefold. It's, yeah, you're less incentivized to make money. It ends up hurting your employees. And the third is you tend to find creative solutions to yep. avoid and taxation. And when companies are hurting on money, do they do they fire their top paid employees or the... Generally the low-hanging fruit. Which, which is, is not... Ex exactly what they're trying to, trying to prevent. Sorry, I couldn't wait till the end. I just, I just <laughs> get so fired up about this stuff. The next one, I mean, it, it's a perfect segue, is tobacco and nicotine. They're estimating almost $100 billion of revenue coming from this. And so this is going to increase the rate of tax on tobacco products, um, including basically what they're trying to capture here is e-cigarettes because that was, it's like every time something new comes out, the IRS is way behind. You know, e-cigarettes have been around for a long time and they're finally catching up to, gee, we should probably do something about that. Uh, but, you know, not to stereotype, but, that directly impacts the people they're saying they don't want to impact. Like the people who are on the lower marginal brackets tend to be the ones that are, you know, taking, um, you know, they, they are probably consuming nicotine in some form or fashion right. on a grander scale. So now you're going to directly increase the price of those things. And this is just like another thing of like, why don't we fix the inherent problem right. instead of like throwing all these things around? Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's another direct um, contradiction to what's being said, right? And the the I'm going to jump over to the conservation easements because people who are in the business world, I'm sure, have heard of conservation easements and something that is on the IRS's uh, dirty dozen list. 
of things that are audited. It's like uh, you're almost guaranteed to be audited if you do a conservation easement. Doesn't mean that you you can't um, do it and do it yeah. effectively. It's just one of those things where you're you're just going into it. You have to know what the ramifications are, and they intend to close a loophole here uh, for inappropriate deductions for syndicated conservation easements. And really, uh, this is actually an interesting one. Is they they're the purpose is to supposedly restore the integrity of the federal conservation easement program, which is fair, uh, in my opinion, you know, go trees. They're amazing. Uh, but coming back is IRS funding. So now this is something that I find interesting myself is that the, the IRS has basically been defunded, um, uh, over the last 10 years. It's a trigger word. <laughs> and should we have it defund the IRS? <laughs> I mean, it's been happening. You can just go look at it. They, yeah. they, we're over 90,000 employees back in 2010. They're down to 75,000 employees. And again, like these are big numbers. Yeah. Like if we think of that's 20, 25,000, 15,000, like yeah. pick a thousands and thousands of employees. Yeah. That's a big deal. And what's happened over the, over the last 10, 15 years is audit rates have dropped. You know, the infrastructure that the IRS has is like 64% of it is past its useful life. You're right. So they literally don't have the infrastructure to pull off any of this, in my opinion. And But what's being touted is that they're going to inject $80 billion over the next 10 years to the IRS. And in turn, because of increased enforcement, they're going to get a $200 billion return for that. So are, is that another way of saying they're going to invest in the IRS and crack down on people that are not being honest? Uh, I mean, yes, uh, but quite honestly, more so just simply doing their normal work like and this is you can go look at the stats like and I, I have some of them the irs sends back out billions and billions of dollars of not even fraudulent returns it's not like people are trying to game the system they just literally don't know who actually qualifies for these things and they send money out so it's like yes um on one regard they're going to do more audits um for example if you live in puerto rico and move down there uh the irs has secretly been putting together a team to go audit all of you so best of luck uh, that's again, probably no another whole, uh, episode, but this again is interesting to me. They're like, what, where are these numbers coming from? Because we're going to fund an additional 80 billion over 10 years, which will probably get reversed at some point over the next 10 years that we're going to get this $200 billion of additional revenue. You know, overall this, all these things add up to 2.9 trillion. Yeah. Which if you're following along, we've talking about a $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. So that leaves a $600 billion short. And for those of you that are watching, uh, please find for me, what does a dynamic growth estimate mean? Because this is what the White House is saying that because somehow in, intermixed with all of this, a $600 billion dynamic growth estimate is going to fully offset the $3.5 trillion package. So you got your 2.9 plus your 600 billion gets you your 3.5. I tried researching it. <laughs> Nobody, like, Nobody uh, knows. There's no link. Nowhere does this show up. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so that's something that's fascinating as well. But to recap, basically the the idea is that we can do all this tax reform. We're going to tax the rich. We're going to create all this money. We're going to build roads and trains and clean water and boost our power grids. And oh, by the way, put in slip in all these other things. And at the end of the day, is this yeah. actually going to work? Yeah, I think there's a couple couple things. I I don't know if you want to look at the comments. Someone said something about Biden wants access to our bank accounts. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's well, let's go there. So, I mean, you used to work at a bank. Yep. If if somebody deposited over $10,000, yep. that yeah. has to be reported. Yep. Uh, most banks and credit unions actually have lower limits, 
another spoiler alert. Uh, they have internal limits where, and they're usually arbitrary, like $6,782. If there's a deposit more than that, that, they end up reporting that or at least keep it internally. And what, what Biden is proposing, and this is another one, depending on what article you read, who you talk to, is either on transactions over $600 or bank accounts that are have more than $600 in them. Either way. It's freaky. It's freaky. And every time that you yeah. have a paycheck, for again, vast majority of Americans, even if you're making minimum wage, that is going to have your information be shipped off to IRS, which again, what I want to kind of quell in that is they don't have the infrastructure to deal with that anyways. Yeah. You know, there's been this this thing for a long time of, well, the IRS knows what I owe. Why don't they just, you know, have either write the check or have me write the check? And it's like, it, well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't have the manpower. Number yeah. two, companies like TurboTax and TaxSlayer have massive lobbying power and they don't want that to happen yeah. uh, because that's a huge industry in its own right. And I'm right. probably getting far afield here. Um, but yeah, Biden, Biden does want uh, to have access to that in a sense they already do uh it's just uh, on a more grand scale wow lot lot here i think there's a couple couple big picture philosophy number one it should the government be spending money and is that like is that something that do we want to live in a world where the government is just spending trillions of dollars on free stuff that may or may not be so free nothing is free it might not cost us in real dollars today, but we're just kicking the can down the road. And just think about how many billions this U.S. debt clock has been going since we've just been in this live YouTube live. It's it's been unreal. And so that's that's one philosophy is like is all the everything free comes with a cost. And and then number two is the government the best entity to deliver all of that. That's that's something that we could have a conversation about. Number three is. Um, we're we're taxing the rich. There's a difference between wealth and income. We're taxing high income earners. So it's just really like um, in America, making a high income is just not ideal. It's just it's just there's not a lot of advantages. Um, and and you're starting to see that. I mean, ultimately, this is really going to affect the high income earning. Yeah, I mean, this people this like is it's actually going to affect Silicon Valley. New York. This is this is going to affect doctors, lawyers, like people people that have put in 12, 15 years to the system, to the system, to their education. Yeah. And they're like it's like look at California, you're going to lose 50% of that day one. So like if yeah. you're making 400,000 in $1 and I've, yeah. obviously marginal tax rates all that kind of stuff, but we haven't even talked about state taxes on top of all this stuff. Yeah. You you make yeah. 500,000, you take home 250 and everybody's like, wow, that's still a lot of money. Well, go live in California and raise a family on 250000 after you've given up 15 yeah. years of your life. Suddenly things look a little bit different. Yeah. There's lots of things to this. And one of, like, I, I just pulled some stats. Like in 1974, the tax code was 19,500 pages. Now it's 75,000 pages plus and, and counting. You know, the... I was reading that when the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was in place, over 450 tax forms had to be revised and like 63 separate systems because they all operate on old technology. And they're still figuring it out now. And now this this is coming into play potentially. And this is another amazing stat is that over the last um, 56 years, there's yep. been 53 major tax revisions. And people are like, oh, taxes relatively stay the same. Like taxes changing all the time. Yeah. And this is where being educated is really important or working with a team that is educated because 
It literally is changing all the time. And what is being said in the media is almost the exact opposite of what's happening in real life. Right. I think everyone can agree on that. I think that's a statement that everyone can agree on. That the media is not always correct. There's quite a few comments. Someone, so I don't know if you're live. Someone's asking about the and asset loans. I don't know. If, it's in, it's interesting. This is not. This video is not about life insurance. But what's interesting, Dan, is especially with the Roth getting crushed, mm -hmm. and we talked about it. Was it 1099R? Yep. Like you have a a, a tax-free account that you still have to file a 1099R return. You don't have to pay anything, but you still need to disclose. Just a little bit strange. And so definitely there there is there is an argument to be made where like oh. Where's an asset that we can store capital, not report to the not report on a 1099 R or whatever on our taxes, what kind of money's in? Life insurance. Um, I think what what was his question about loans? Yeah, it was if you die and you have a loan. Um, so yeah. do you want to address that? Yeah, or? and this is okay. Yeah, this you you set us up for pivot here. So loans are not considered income. They're not income in general. So you there's nothing to report and they're tax exempt. What does tax exempt mean? It's like they're just you don't have to report a loan. Like when you take a mortgage, you don't need, that doesn't just give you income that you have to pay tax on. And so the way that that life insurance and, and, and a strategy that you could use to accessing your money is you can take a life insurance loan and that's not taxable and it wouldn't even affect your other calculations as it relates to social security. And what would end up happening is if you die, when you die, your net death or your death benefit is subtracted by your outstanding loan and your estate gets the the difference income tax free now you still need to do estate planning if you if you have a big estate um, and so what that would look like if we did simple simple math is if you have 2 million dollars of death benefit and half a million dollars of cash value you take out $300,000 of loans okay let's just round up and say you have some interest so 320,000 Making the math hard. Yeah, now. you are. <laughs> uh, so it, if so, we're just gonna take out that. Just we're gonna make it round numbers for me. So if you if you have a three hundred thousand dollar outstanding loan, and you die, your your estate is gonna get the two million minus the three hundred thousand. How's that? There you go. Okay. So <laughs> we're, we're, it's we're, like you're making a tax reform bill here, trying to make it complicated. Here's here's the deal, though. Why is this? Why is this powerful? Is as as accounts get more attacked by just different law changes and all of this, having tax exempt cash flow versus income—that's an, potentially another video we could make—is mm -hmm. advantageous. And it's more advantageous the more taxes go up because you just need to spend more or sell more of your assets just to get the um, your consumption, the money that you need to to live. So all in all. Um, life insurance is an amazing asset if you believe taxes are going up, if you believe other people are attacking it. And um, it's way more protected than a, a Roth IRA, which two years ago people thought were untouchable. So overall, Dan, uh, let's talk about the pros to this. Well, I think the the major pro is that it's very unlikely that any of this is going to happen. <laughs> uh, yes, you, you go, but I, I, I yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the pro um, because there's, in my opinion, there's way more that needs to happen. Number one, much like we started, I think I think it's pretty clear that the $1.2 trillion uh, infrastructure package absolutely could have passed uh, because everybody, I think most people are like, yes, bridges, yeah. roads, power, all that good stuff. Um, throwing in the additional $2.5 trillion and calling it infrastructure it, it was a bit of a long shot. Yeah. And then coming around and saying, hey, this is how we're going to pay for it. 
Well, I mean, the, the, the people that are saying this are the same ones that it is supposed to affect, yeah. but do you really think they're going to enact something that's going to affect them? So even if this were passed, yep. would this affect them? In my opinion, the answer is no. Bigger question is how and if it will actually get passed. And I just don't, I don't think yep. that it's going to, it'll get, it'll probably get revised again. So we'll probably have to do another one of these. Uh, but in some form or fashion, you can yep. almost bet on there being some sort of tax reform, yes. but just probably not in this yeah. So way. here's, here's, I, I love Ryan. You, you commented, you said there's no pros. I, I'm with you. I'm kind of with you on that. Um, <laughs> and here's what I would say is it's scary that this, this stuff is actually in a, in a bill and in the tax plan. It just, I think it's scary that this stuff is even being thrown out. And usually what that means is that it, it for sure, I, I think this will not pass as is. It will be some people will have to figure things out and it's still not going to be ideal. We're still printing, like we're still spending money on, like it's just, it's just maddening um, well, the well, amount of money I, that we're spending. Just, as you're talking, I'm thinking that the pro is that this is happening because knowing it, it's like knowing is half the battle, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, but think of based on what you pulled up on the unfunded liabilities and just the way our country's going. We're like all the tax attorneys that we know are screaming at the top of their lungs of like, gee, get out of the taxable world because with all the things going on with this unprecedented spending, with inflation doing what it's doing, like yeah. being tax free yeah. or tax advantaged uh, is. Yeah, I think I think this is the call to action is really, really, really be intentional with your tax strategy. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things that we are committed we're committed to upping our game in this area because quite frankly, not everyone needs a life insurance policy. Not everyone needs an and asset. I, I mean, I, how, I, I think a lot of people would not like to, to spend less on taxes. I think that's something that everyone agrees with. And we, we know some pretty incredible strategies and the more we learn, I mean, you got a book like this <laughs> thick and it's really interesting. And the reason why we're all motivated is I'm realizing if I want to be intentional in life and I want to actually up my game and build wealth, I got I to gotta understand this because the last thing I want to do is put my, all my eggs in one basket. And I'm not just saying in just in like a, an investment basket. I'm talking about how things can change overnight because who knows gets elected. I will say this, Dan, our country is headed in this direction. Totally. If you look at all other countries, they're doing this. And without getting political, I think it's a huge mistake. And I think there's no way in the world this, this will make sense financially. I'm very fiscally conservative. And, I, and unfortunately, I think this is going to be problematic long term. And I, don't, I think it's going to do the exact opposite that they want. Yeah. So. And I think it's just one of those things, if you go pick up any economics textbook, yep. I, I have yet to see one. Again, uh, just like with the, uh, what was it, the dynamic growth estimate. If you can find a textbook that says raising taxation increases growth and stability and does amazing things, um, I would love to see it because mathematically it doesn't work. And, and this is something that we didn't even touch on is why aren't we reducing the spending? We have a, a consumption problem, not an income problem. I think we're going to have a lot more of these as time goes on because we're not even talking about the other major things of, gee, how is Social Security going to be paid for? How is Medicare going to be paid for? How is the interest on the national debt going to be paid for? Like, how are all these things going to be paid for aside from all the other programs that want to be introduced? Right. right. I'm with you. Don't, well, there's so many things that I want to say. <laughs> there will be a day I get political because it's hard to, hard to not get political here. But at the end of the day, what, what is your call to action? 
Well, my call to action is listen to Albert Einstein. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave you with an Albert Einstein quote. If you if you enjoy um, this stream, we'd appreciate you giving this a like. We we have more than one person watching, so that's always encouraging. Also, if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, we are like upping our game. Like we're talking about how we're going to make better wealth really to be one of the channels that we want everyone to go to to learn about money. And and so if you've not subscribed or not shared it with the people that you love the most, please do so. That would mean the world to us as we're really doing our best to try to grow our channel and our outreach. So with that, leave us with Albert Einstein. He said, the hardest thing in the world to understand is the income tax. And what's so ironic about this is it's exactly what we're experiencing right now is people don't understand what income is. They don't understand what wealth is. They don't understand what rich is. And it's an education problem at the end of the day. Yep. It's an education problem. Get educated. Thank you, Dan, for collecting all this information. I think what we should do is maybe chop chop up into little bite-sized pieces, but we really appreciate it. And we hope you have a very intentional rest of your evening. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.